Free season is in the books. We have had football. We have had uh, rumblings of who's getting cut, who's not. Rookie quarterbacks outperforming maybe the best rookie class ever some people are pontificating about. But remember, folks, we're one week into a season that hasn't started yet and really doesn't matter. And it's going to be even more wild as we go along here. On the Sunday card, Dan Zampano, Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silver, here with you again, our esteemed producer, Lemon Pepper Lou Paracone, to discuss post-mortem preseason week one, all of the, uh, how should we say this, uh, Hall of Fame ringing for, for some of the rookies already from some people. These guys are going to be stars. These guys are going to be pro bowlers. These guys are going to be Hall of Famers. It all means nothing. It's all crap. But we're going to probably do some of that anyway ourselves, maybe even. Uh, Matty C., how are you, my friend? Good to see you. It's great to see you, Dan. Uh, yeah, well, apparently 20 throws or so in a preseason game against the backup defense is more than enough to just perfectly project the future and arc of all of these quarterbacks. So I'm really glad that we just know where they're all going to end up. And we could just, again, we could just skip right to the gold jacket ceremony for some and, and just get some out. Uh, and it's someone, someone, as you said, the cuts are coming. Someone's not going to be getting their gold jacket for the tight end position. Ah. Tim Tebow doesn't make it out of week one. I mean, he's out there throwing just absolute nasty crack back blocks, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, on, on his own lineman, uh, more so than the defender. But Timmy Tebow didn't, wasn't able to cut his chops at the tight end position and, and making it with uh, with Urban Meyer. Tough, tough, tough scene from him with the whiff block and him getting wide open and receiver cutting him off. And like, uh, it was just not good, not good. But guess what? He's thankful for the opportunity, as he says. Um, yes. You know, <laughs> I was surprised he didn't get to throw a pass. I was hoping for that. That was that was that one of the quarterbacks we were looking at this weekend, you know? Yeah, yeah. In our in our quarterback rankings, for sure. <laughs> Hey, uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to talk about those rookie quarterbacks before we get started on that real quick mention of this. How about uh, everybody was hyping up Jordan Love this weekend too? another rookie rookie quarterback there because he never started or was active for a game last year. Jordan Love had a great game uh, against the Texans and then all of a sudden pop MRI on his shoulder. (laughs) Great news in Green Bay for more stuff for uh, the bad man is just winning and winning and winning. Is it the same precautionary MRI that Dak got where it's not a big deal? This doesn't mean anything, but we're just in case we're going to get an MRI. Just yeah. that's all. Don't, don't worry about it, though. Yes, it's, it's not a big deal, but he's having an MRI. <laughs> so an amazing uh, stuff from the Cowboys, too, in Hard Knocks. We'll get into that as mm-hmm. well for episode one. But before we do any of that, We are going to do a deep dive in the NFC Western Division. This is our final division of our positional breakdowns, ranking each position, quarterback room, running back room, pass catching room, defense, and coaching. Our final one of the summer, Maddie, And this one, we might have saved the hardest one for last. We we absolutely did. This is the most, like, top to bottom. We kind of knew it going in because we just, like, look at this division is probably has the best four teams in the league actually really contending, you know, really it's almost plausible that any of these teams could come out on top of this division this year with, with, so it's the most competitive and it was absolutely the closest call as far as rankings and positions, uh, some more so than others, but yeah, 
I, I would say we have the hardest single position ranking in, in this very division. No question about it. Everybody at plus money to win the division right now. So uh, it is very, very interesting, especially the fact that there is a lot of injuries that have happened in this, um, in this division so far, uh, in particularly in the running back room. But we will talk about that when we get to the running backs. Why don't we start it off with quarterback rooms? And, you know, obviously a lot of people are going to look at this and say, okay, this might be the, one of the easier ones to have number one because Russell Wilson is there. Um, any chance that Stafford or Murray or heck, even the Garoppolo Lance combination outseats him, or are you going Wilson number one? It, it did float around my brain for a second, maybe to pick the unsung hero, Matt Stafford. A lot of people, again, we've been very pro Matt Stafford in this podcast, but there's a lot of people calling their shot this year. I feel like with Matt Stafford saying, you don't know how good this guy is. Just wait until he's the Sean McVay. We've been doing it a little bit, but man, there are some, we are not, I am not the head of that hype train. Twitter is filled with them, but Wilson does take the top spot here again. It's just, he's, he's what, he's the only guy on this. I think that has received, I don't know if Kyler Murray has received MVP voting, but like he's, he's received, you know, MVP, MVP votes in the past. He was well on his way to do it for the first half of last season. Uh, absolute dynamite start for him. And then they cooled off. They stopped letting him stop letting Russ cook as much, but he does top this list. Um, and I'll just work my way down. Now I do have Stafford at number two spot here. I do still think that he's an excellent quarterback. Very, very good. Um, and I do have him above Kyler Murray in that three spot, just because I know Kyler is, is he's got the very, he's got the dynamics. He's got the playmaking abilities can rush. He's the new age kind of quarterback, but Matt Stafford can still just make any throw that you want, in my opinion. So I'm going to, I'm going to take him over Murray, but Murray still outseats the Jimmy G Trey Lance four spot there <laughs> you got two quarterbacks you don't have one maybe kind of deal but e- even either way even if these guys had just the true spot on their own I don't think either of them right now outseats any of those top three as the old adage says if you have two quarterbacks playing you ain't got no quarterback playing that's a tough the tough position for San Francisco to be in considering that they were in the Super Bowl two years ago with Jimmy at the helm and now Trey has come in impressive in his first start we'll get into that a little later um, I think you have nailed it right on the head. I am right there with you. One, two, three, four. That might be the only one we uh, actually agree upon in this division. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Stafford just a hair ahead of Murray. In fact, if you look at the numbers from last year, I didn't realize Stafford started uh, played all 16 games last year, uh, actually. And I could have sworn he was hurt, but I guess not. He must have played through a lot of pain last season. Um, 4,084 yards. He was literally 100 yards, 110 yards better than Murray. Um, just barely, um, just had 26 touchdowns compared to 10 interceptions. Murray had 26 compared to 12, barely a little bit better quarterback rating from Stafford, 7.7 yards of throw compared to 7.1 from, from, from Murray. So, you know, I do agree with you. I do think Stafford, especially, especially in this McVay offense and what they're going to do as far as the play action game, the zone run scheme game and, and their ability to make everything look exactly the same on run plays. And then their play action. And most of the time, the, what the Rams do a really good job of is they do a really good job of getting the receivers as open as possible. So that's going to be work wonders for maybe an older quarterback like Stafford, who, by the way, by the way, the one guy that gave him a shout out this summer, uh, Aaron Rodgers, 
telling everybody that, you know, a guy that never gets any credit um, but can spin the ball just as probably as good as me is, is Matt Stafford. And if Aaron Rodgers is going to say that, then I'm putting Matt Stafford up there at number two. No question about that. Murray, still consistency issues, but on his way to dynamic play, I would say, was a very, very popular MVP candidate last year, probably is going to be this year as well, considering what they did uh, at wide receiver position. But you're right, Garoppolo and Lance, uh, charter number four. I think that one is pretty clear with, uh, with Russ. By the way, Russ, massive year last year. I mean, just massive. Yes, he tailored, tapered off at the end, but talking about 69% completions, talking about 4,200 yards, talking about 40 touchdowns and 13 picks, a 105 rating. I mean, and, and honestly, we're making the projections towards this year. I do think still with the weaponry that they have that, you know, the guy is unstoppable at times. So it will be interesting how they use the rushing game this year, uh, which we'll get into next, actually. So well, that's a good transition spot for us to go to the running back rooms as we go along in the NFC West. Maddie, this was tough. I mean, the, like, and, and the reason being is that there are a couple of injuries at certain spots, a lot mm-hmm. of guys changing teams, coming off teams. I mean, I, I am interested to hear what you did with this. Yeah, I actually meant to clarify this. It was pre-show. Did you factor? I have to spray. Did you factor Cam Akers in to the Rams running back group? I I did not because he's. I don't think he's going to play. I, I okay. really don't. So Akers to me, that's the big hit. Is is Cam Akers being gone? So they do have weapons that are going to replace him. So that was what I did. Yeah. Okay. So then I kind of had it either way, and I wanted to see which way you were thinking about it. So in that case, I have the Rams at the bottom here because I think that now they just have Darrell Henderson. If Cam Akers is in there. I, I had them in the third spot, but I do have them four because I, I really think it's just Darrell Henderson who could do, you know, he, he, I think he's going to have a nice season. I like him fantasy-wise and all this other stuff. I think that obviously he's just a valuable asset being the Rams running back, but he doesn't explode off paper. You know, he's not he's not blowing you out with, with his speed or with anything, uh, any part of his intangibles, really. He's just a serviceable running back. In the three spot, I do – then I have uh, – the Cardinals with their pair of Chase Edmonds and James Conner for the most part, which just sounds like the most injured backfield of all time. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, Cam Akers is out now, but in a couple of weeks, we could easily just be looking at the Cardinals without either of these guys for all that we know. So, but again, both of those guys are just serviceable, nothing really getting the job. You know, they, they get the job done, but nothing popping off the charts for you. Number two, the, the top two were so hard to call, so hard to call. Because you got two teams that just love to run the rock. I mean, every, every you know, the top three teams, the Rams as well. But I put Seattle in the two spot. So I have Seattle with Chris Carson. Or again, another guy, Rashad Penny, if not injured, if not in the trainer's room, is a decent piece. Uh, and then they've got, like, the two guys, in DJ Dallas and Travis Homer, who are just kind of those, like, change of pace, maybe a third down back. And the reason I gave the 49ers the top spot, they've got three pretty good running backs. You know, you've got – Raheem Mostert, Wayne Gallman, who was not bad for the Giants at the tail end of last year when he had to fill in for uh, Barkley when he got hurt. Uh, and then you got Trey Sermon, who everybody else is freaking out about. But the key factor in this running back room that helped me put them over the top is they have the best fullback in the league yes. in Kyle Juszczyk that helps the running game. And that is a part of the running back room. We have not mentioned a fullback in any of these conversations because nobody's worth mentioning as much as Kyle Juszczyk. And that was the deciding factor for me. Kyle Juszczyk, I think, was in the top 100 players list, actually, uh, 
on Sunday night when they when they announced the the players' top 100, Kyle Ustick was in like the top 60 or something. It was like unbelievable. The, the, the unsung hero. He literally, I mean, you talk about you talk about a X factor. Fullbacks' lives matter. They do. I mean, like, and and Ustick is, I mean, it's the difference between the Shanahan run scheme and the McVay run scheme is that you talk about them doing a lot of 12 personnel, 11 personnel uh, in, in, uh, in Los Angeles and really running out of like, you know, that not specific eye formation, but you know, they usually don't have a fullback on the field. Whereas the Mm -hmm. 49ers usually do and load up and um, it is, he's a dangerous pass catching back. Like it's, it's, he is a a definite factor Um, for me. I did have the Rams at fourth. I agree with you. I think the Rams, as good as that run scheme is, and McVay, I think, will find a way with the with the guys that he has. I actually watched a lot of the Rams uh, on Saturday night against the Chargers. Um, I know McVay doesn't play any starters. Uh, Henderson, I think, will be good. But I like Xavier Jones, and I'm in a dynasty league right now, and people gobbled up Xavier Jones really, really quickly. He's going to be the backup, second-year guy out of SMU, was really, really explosive in college, very similar to Henderson, very similar guy. And this kid, Kalei, also, who I got to see in preseason, also very fast, punt returner, um, very, very quick. So they have a lot of speed guys. Henderson is going to supply most of the power, but you're right. Without Acres, it's kind of hard to gauge what they're going to do. So, yes, I did have them fourth. I flipped Seattle and Arizona with you. I, I've got Seattle at number three, I and, and I'll tell you why, because – as good as Seattle was last year, Seattle uh, was third in the division in rushing yards. They did have six fumbles. They, had, uh, they led the division in yards per carry, 4.8. They were very efficient. But only 15 touchdowns out of those guys. And, as, and I, you know, Carson might be the best running back right now in this division. I, I think that's debatable, but I think it's pretty clear that he might be. But you're right. Rashawn Penny sitting behind him, injury prone. Travis Homer. DJ Dallas. These are guys that, you know, you pick up in week 12, 11 in fantasy because they're hurt. The Carson is hurt. Penny is hurt. And to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of the, of the offensive line. I know they got Gabe Jackson as well. I don't think that Seattle is very, very good at, you know, kind of mixing and matching that running back room so that it kind of fits with Wilson. So to me, I, I put them at number three. I've, Arizona was really, really good last year. Arizona had over 2,200 yards rushing last year on the ground. Now, some of that is Kyler Murray. I understand that. But to replace Kenyon Drake, they're bringing in James Conner. Looks injury prone, yes. Chase Edmonds is is a nice little third down back. Maybe he's developing into something. I just think Kingsbury probably does maybe the best job outside of Shanahan of, of being able to find rushing lanes for his, for his team. So they've improved the offensive line a little bit. They had 22 rushing touchdowns last year. Again, a lot of it to do with Murray. So if he's factored in that, it's not really about him. Obviously we didn't do that with Lamar Jackson. So um, I do though think that Kingsbury is a really good schemer. And I think these complimentary backs, Eno Benjamin had a great day uh, in preseason. They had a couple of touchdowns out of Arizona state. So, so we'll look forward to seeing him as a rookie, but you're right. I think San Francisco does the best job. You mentioned it. The three guys, Raheem Mostert, Wayne Gallman, Trey Sermon is 
like a huge fantasy guy going right now that people are talking about another rookie. I mean, there's a ton of rookies running backs in this NFC West that I think could be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamichael Hasty is still there as well, but I think you you put Yuschik in there, and I think they they have a scary scary running back room in San Francisco. So uh, not so much disagreement, but I think I think uh, I'd probably flip Arizona and Seattle. I have to make you start this next one because this is what I was alluding to when I said this was the single hardest. Again, usually these lists, there's a way that we could start at the top or with the bottom as far as where you're going to slot in. Like it's just pretty clear cut. Again, this, this could be an inverse list. We could be one to four absolutely different. This this was this was the worst. This was the worst. This took me about I, – I sat back and did this for probably 45 minutes just looking at this – position alone because the pass catchers are there's so many good ones i mean there's just so many good ones in this and each team feels like they have two really good receivers yeah um but to start off i put san francisco at number four that was that was my kind of uh Mm. thought process because as i love george kittle i i obviously i think he's the best tight end in football um yes over travis kelsey uh, he just does everything, and he's a psycho. Um, if he stays healthy, they're good. If Debo Samuel stays healthy, he's a really good weapon. If Ayuk stays healthy, he's a really good weapon. Yeah. Are they staying healthy? That's my question. Um, and then behind that, there just isn't a lot there. There just isn't a lot there. Mohamed Sanu, I mean, goodness. Like, yeah. how, long, how long can he survive? <laughs> That, that was a news flash to me when I looked at the depth chart and I saw Mo Sanu. I was like, man, I thought, I thought he retired after the Patriots. I, I thought he did too. Uh, he's not the only one. Travis Benjamin, Jordan Matthews is on the roster right now. Uh, Jalen Hurd, who they said was going to be this great, you know, player a couple years ago coming out of Arizona State, and he hasn't played. Um, so it's just not a lot back there. And they don't really need a ton. Uh, favorite name possibly greatest football name river craycraft is on that list as mm-hmm. well just wanted to shout that out solid 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 name real good slot guy but um yeah it's just it's just not there for me in terms of you know star power now you're going to get into some star power because the the these guys seattle arizona the rams uh, all have two or three guys that are just studs I mean, just fantastic. Anything I say is going to be sound a little crazy, so let's just go for it. Seattle's number three. Um, mm. I have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, absolute just unstoppable guys. Two 1,000-yard receivers last year. I mean, they were unstoppable, these two guys. They, they were amazing. Metcalf, as we all know, is an absolute freak of nature. Um Metcalf had 1,300 yards. He had 10 touchdowns. I believe Lockett had 100 catches. Yes, he did. Um, 100 yards, 1,000 100 catches, 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns. I mean, these guys are just supreme and perfect for Russell Wilson. You have one guy who can hit you over the top and anywhere on the field, and you have one guy that's a great slot receiver. Outside of that, not much going. Again, like I'm saying, there's just not a lot of depth at this position for them. They really like Dwayne Eskridge. They drafted him this year. He's on the PUP list. So what does that do for me? Gerald Everett. Um, 
They bring him over from the Rams. Is he going to have the same production? Is he going to save the, the Wilson, you know, offense and finally give him a tight end uh, that, you know, since Jimmy Graham, he really hasn't had. Um, I don't know. I don't know. And that's my question. Uh, the other guys I can't even mention to you because I know you won't know their names. So, you know, outside of that, it's just not a lot. But Metcalf and Lockett do a heck of a lot. I went Arizona number two. I, I went with Hopkins and the boys. So, again, it's hard to have the best receiver in football on this list and not have the number one, especially when they have added so many guys that I like. Um A.J. Green, I think whatever you get out of him, I think if you can get 600 yards, 700 yards out of A.J. Green, that's great. Like, that's a plus for you. Um, It's a question mark. See if he can stay healthy. But if he's not – if he's healthy, he's going to be really, really hard to cover. Christian Kirk, another guy. um, Great complimentary piece for Hopkins to get open. He's going to just swallow up balls. Um, Then they got a bunch of guys that I really like. Really like Andy Isabella. Um, but I think he's going to get trumped right now by Rondell Moore because Rondell Moore, and I'm going to talk about him later. I think he is going to be such a gadget for Kingsbury. Kingsbury is going to use him all over the field. I just, just watching him on set on Friday night, like I'm telling you, this kid is going to be one of those kids where you're going to be like late round pick in fantasy might have to pull the, pull the trigger on him because he can do everything. He can do everything. The one thing that stopped me from putting the number one is they really don't have a great tight end. Max Williams is their tight end right now. And, you know, outside of him, there's just not a lot in the cupboard. So I did end up giving the Rams the number one spot. Um, And I'll tell you why. Outside of the Metcalf and Lockett combination, they were like a thousand yard receivers, 10 touchdowns. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup both had just under a thousand yards. So they were right there. Um, again, super efficient. And I think adding Stafford into the mix only helps them. Van Jefferson was hurt a lot last year. He'll be back. I think that's a great weapon for them. They add Deshaun Jackson. Again, whatever you get a Deshaun Jackson home run hitter guy, he's your fourth receiver. That's fine. That's a good fourth receiver to have. And again, I told you I watched a lot of the Rams on Saturday night. I saw Tutu Atwell out there. He's mm-hmm. playing. He's starting. He's going to get some touches. And he's going to punt return because he's wicked, wicked fast. I mean, incredibly fast. I, I, it's, it's amazing to watch him with the ball in his hands. Um, and the thing that does it for me is Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby, I think, is the secret kind of weapon that stirs the drink for Stafford to go over the middle. He'll fill that kind of TJ Hawkinson role that Stafford will like in uh, in the Rams. And It'll be Tyler Higby going uh, balls to the wall this season. So I'm very intrigued with, with that team and kind of how they, how they operate with so many. I mean, every guy, every single guy on this team is wicked fast. I mean, just fast. They just have speed everywhere, everywhere. So, and they have this one kid that's also like six foot seven monster kid who played I think he was playing like soccer. Like he only started playing like football in his junior year of college or something like that. He's like huge. So he's their one tall guy, but they don't have a lot of size, but what they lack in size, they make up for in speed. I like the Rams. Number one. What say you? Well, this is about to get interesting. 
because I have the Rams number four. Wow. At the bo- at the bottom of the list, I have the Rams. Wow. And I, I and I think it's for me, it's just uh, the way I've tried to always like look at these when I'm trying to like find these tiebreakers is is again just take them off the team, take them off out of the system. And I just don't know, like you said, like the size, the lacking of size that like Robert Robert Woods is, is big enough. Cooper Cup is a little undersized. Deshaun Jackson is a little bit smaller, speed guy, Tutu Atwell is clearly a new age small speed weapon, which I, I agree though. He was tremendous to watch in the field. He is lightning quick. Uh, and, and Tyler Higby for me is just, uh, I don't know. You're much more of a Tyler Higby guy. I better buy you a, buy you a Rams Tyler Higby jersey because for me, he's just, I don't know. He's just kind of a, a guy. But I just taking Woods and Cup out of that system, I, I don't know just how like dynamic they are if they're not on a, on a really well-manufactured offense. But again, like we said, this is a top-to-bottom just stacked and loaded division. In the three spot, I have the 49ers. And it really was – Kittle was the edge for me. I just think that he's he's such a, a, a massive piece for them. And I'm trying to judge them off of who is healthy right now, even though I know we were alluding to injuries in the running back room. But that is so much more common, I think, than the, the wide receiver. But like I said, Debo and Ayuk are just playmakers. They could just explode at any time. And, and I, I, you know, I know you love Debo. He, he is just an absolute uh, beast out there with his size and speed. So I gave them the slight edge over the Rams. I still have Arizona in the two spot, the same that you do, because, again, I do think that they not only have the best wide receiver arguably in the league, but they've just got really solid depth pieces behind them. Uh, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, like you said, Rondell Moore was the talk of preseason week one as far as what I saw around the league. Uh, and then I couldn't tell you much about Max Williams, except for the fact that I saw he spells his name with two X's. So that's, I thought that was pretty cool. But other than that, that's that's that might have been enough to give them the two spot over the Niners. And number one, I have Seattle. I just think that DK Metcalf is well on his way. I mean, he is a, a, a top five receiver in the league. I, I think I would put him there as far as just, again, his dynamic speed. I, talk about whatever – part of his athleticism you want to talk about. And this guy is top percentage at, you know, in around the league and around human beings. Yeah. Um, I was going to say he's top around, amongst humans. Yeah. Like the elite, like the Greek gods. So uh, Tyler Lockett has just been there. Like, so, so reliable. Like you mentioned the, the rookie Dwayne Eskridge, he's on the pup to start the year. Hopefully he's going to be out four year starter out of Western Michigan speed guy. I think he, he could provide them something different in the slot that, you know, I, Lockett plays out of the slot a lot, but he also can play on the outside. And then for me, it's almost like the tight ends. I just think I give them more credit than what their name worth is because Seattle and their tight ends. I mean, whether it's, whether it's Nick Vanette or Jacob Hollister or like reviving Greg Olson, like they just make the tight end position work out in Seattle. Like they just, they're, there's, they, they always end up finding a way to, to find someone to fill that void. So, uh, you know, Will Disley's and Gerald Everett's. I think they're going to get the job done. Will Disley, hopefully, he's back this year. He he was a really good piece for them when he. I think it was you know almost two years ago now because he had a very long uh, layoff with an injury. But I, I have them number one. Like I think I think for that maybe DK is is really the edge for me because I just think that he is just so so incredible and so difficult to cover. But what a list! <laughs> yeah, it is a heck of a list, and and you know. I think 
I think the only the, the concern that I only have with Seattle is that they're just if one of those guys go down, they don't have anybody to replace. It, it is, it is Eskridge, lacking depth. If Eskridge can't play this year, because if, if he's on the PUP list and he can't play, um, you know, like I will, you know, I, I don't know what the severity of that injury is, but um, I think they would like him to come along, but. It, that's the one thing that scares me about them. And I love that, like, you're going to be, like, pro Will Disley and I'm going to be pro Tyler Higby this season. Fair, apparently. fair. We're going to get matching 89 jerseys, and yours is going to be Seattle, mine's going to be the Rams. So it's going to be an exciting year. Well, big. If you don't draft Will Disley in, like, the 12th, 13th round, like, I'm going to be upset. Yeah, I, got, I think I have to take him. I mean – I'll take him right before I take my kicker. Right, <laughs> right before the kicker, I'm going to go ahead and grab Will Disley. Will Will Disley be Mr. Irrelevant this year? Tune in next week. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, let's go to the defense again. This was really hard. <laughs> like this was a a really really hard thing to to kind of rank. Um, I'll start this one off since you started the, both the first two. Um, I looked at these defenses and I see three studs on every single defense. Arizona, I see Chandler Jones, who is for now still there. Marcus Golden, Buda Baker. San Francisco, Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner. Seattle, Bobby Wagner, Jamal Adams, who got paid today, by the way, uh, and Quandre Diggs. And then the Rams, I have Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, and Jalen Rams. So those, all three, just there are three studs on each team. There's no question about that. But who has the edge? I think for me, it came down to a couple of things. I just kept putting – I decided to make a list of just solid players on the defense. And then there were solid players that I had question marks next to. And the most solid players I saw on the defense were for San Francisco. So I'm going to go one through four here, actually, on this one. I'm kind of change it up. San Francisco, to me, has the best defense here. Um, I, I think that just in terms of their defensive line is so, so solid. I mean, you look at Armstead, Bosa, uh, D Ford, Javon Kinlaw, like what they've done to be able to bolster, bolster that in the draft. They just have a lot of young guys, um, that can get to the pass rusher. They can get to the pass rusher. Um, again, their linebacking core might be even better than their defensive line, maybe slightly below them. Trey Greenlaw and Fred, Fred Warner's best linebacker in football. I mean, maybe this side of Darius Leonard, Fred Warner is like the best guy there. So to me, that's a huge, I question their secondary, uh, their secondary, especially losing Bob Salah. That's the one thing that does scare me is that now D'Amico Ryans is going to take over. Their secondary is a little shaky, but they've made it work for so many years with that zone scheme, losing Richard Sherman out of that. I don't know how much of a loss that is considering how old Sherman is and now that he's probably not going to be on a team this year. But I do think Barrett is still really good and, and they have the pieces there that understand how to run that secondary. Number two for me was Arizona. Um, as crazy as that sounds, Arizona got a lot of guys, got a lot of guys to come fill in. A lot of questionable guys, i.e. Malcolm Butler, Chris Banjo, uh, you know, you bring in Watt. How much is he going to play? He's already on a PUP list. 
Um, but they do have other young kids. I love them drafting Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa. He was one of my favorites. Um, that's huge for them. Guys like Byron Murphy in the, in the secondary have to step up. They were first-round picks. I mean, they have talent. Can they put it all together under your boy Vance Joseph over there? That's my question. I think on paper, that defense is pretty low. Um, to number two, or number three, uh, I have the Rams. Now, people are like, are you kidding me? The Rams were the best defense in football last year. The Rams ain't the same Rams this year. They've lost a lot of pieces, linebackers, secondary guys. Ebukam is gone. John Johnson is gone. Michael Brockers, I think, is the biggest one for them. That's huge. He's gone. And by the way, their defensive coordinator is gone in Staley. Now, I do like Raheem Morris a lot. I think they'll play really, really hard for him. But I have questions about the defensive front. And that sounds crazy because Aaron Donald is there. But when I look at the rest of the team, it just doesn't seem to be a lot of guys for the Rams outside of Donald that either have produced or really have played all that well. Um, Sebastian Joseph Day, Ashawn Robinson coming over from Detroit. Just not a lot there. Leonard Floyd obviously had a big year last year, 10 and a half sacks. But again, can you rely on just those two guys on the front seven? They're smaller. They're probably going to be quicker. And they're going to be good in the secondary. So that's the one saving grace that they have is their secondary. Jalen Ramsey, Darius Williams, like really good players there. And even Taylor Rapp and Jordan Fuller are going to be pretty complimentary safety. So how do they replace some of the guys they lost? I have questions about that for them. And number four is the Seahawks. So the Seahawks, kind of some older player, Bobby Wagner, Carlos Dunlap, guys like that that are, you know, not past their prime, but getting towards past their prime. Wagner is still a solid beast in the middle. I don't know how he does it every year. He's amazing. I really like their secondary. Um, Jamal Adams, Trey Flowers, Marquise Blair, Quandre Diggs, like guys like that. Like they have two studs at safety. So that's really helpful for them. Adams getting paid the most amount in the league is interesting because, you know, he's amazing at coming up in the box and tackling and, you know, being kind of that monster back safety type of style. Is he the best cover safety? That's debatable between a lot of people. I think not, but we'll see where that goes. Can they get pressure? Don't see a lot of guys on this team that can get pressure. LJ Collier, I'm looking at you. Like, he's the guy that has to step up for them this year. And they have a bunch of young guys in Puna Ford and, and, and Robert Kimdiche and, and guys like that that, you know, are, have to prove themselves. They got a first-round linebacker in Jordan Brooks. Where has he been? Drafted a linebacker at a Texas Tech in the first round. Again, like we questioned it then, I question it now. You know, it's come home to roost. So can Pete Carroll put together a defense good enough to win this division? I think so, but it's going to take a lot of work with the personnel they have. Go. You know, I, I, ha- I have the same list here. Wow, uh, we, are actually, we are actually dead same on here, so we won't spend too much time on it. But, yeah, top to bottom, I think the Niners have the best front seven. I think that was unquestioned that they have the best front seven in this division with Bosa, Armstead, and you mentioned how Fred Warner, again, is, is just top of the league. Uh, definitely secondary would be their weakness. The Cardinals, what you said about them looking good on paper is all I kept telling myself. I'm just like looking, and I'm like, I know that the Cardinals are probably not this good, but you just look at them on paper and you see they've got some guys everywhere, like all around that field, and it just feels like, you know, all right, they, I think they're going to be able to get this done. 
Um, so on paper, they look great. And and I thought say about being crazy as far as having the Rams three, but it, like you said, it's just, it's a different look this year. Their entire secondary has been, you know, has been dismantled outside of uh, Jalen Ramsey. So, you know, I think that's going to be very different as well as the loss of Staley and then Seattle, as you said, outside of Bobby Wagner, Trey Flowers, Jamal Adams, there's, you know, there's not a ton of even name recognition around that or around that defensive core. So uh, right there with you on the defensive side of the ball here in this division. I think the bottom two guys, the Rams and the Seahawks defenses are going to be one of those unit defenses. You yes. know what I mean? And I, and I also think that way about San Francisco's secondary, they're a unit in none of themselves. They're kind of, you know, a, a one giant moving piece. So I think that they have the coaching and the defensive coordinators like Carroll can coach that. But again, Carroll's system is a little outdated, run a lot of cover three. And then the Rams, I really, really like Raheem Morris. I like what he did last year at the end of the year with Atlanta. Guys play hard for that coach. I think that he'll do a good job and McVay will leave him alone to do what he wants to do. So that's where I go with that. But if you like, it's hard. Like you look at it on paper and Arizona, hat, you're right. Like it's a weird looking thing. I don't think Arizona will be that good, I guess, but they do in terms of player personnel have a pretty good lineup. there. Yeah. We, we really are having a little bit of a mind melt. It's been, we're, we're just, we're just getting into the season by, you know, week six, it's just going to be, we're going to be right there with each other telepathically. We could just do this telepathically. We don't even need the computers. Literally like what, what show are we doing here? Like, it's incredible. It's like, we are as one all of a sudden, there's only one host now on the show. And, and, and I think we are going to be, this was the most clear cut of all of them. The last category of coaching. And I think that I, I think we could fire right there. I think this is easy. I, I, I think this one's going to be, the, we're going to be the same on this, but I am curious because it wasn't that clear cut for me, but I am interested because I think I know where you're going. All right. Bottom to the top. Cliff Stinksbury at the bottom, for sure. <laughs> for sure, the guy hasn't won anything. Number three, as you said, outdated Pete Carroll, the old man in the room in the league. Number two, I guess this is where the top two would probably get difficult. But I have Sean McVay, number two, and Kyle Shanahan, number one. I know that we both, I think, lean Shanahan more. We just have more confidence in him uh, and maybe his experience and just, you know, it maybe goes with the family name recognition as well. It's just the Shanahan name. So, but I had a feeling that we were going to be right down the middle on that one. Or the same. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was perfect. Easy. Like same exact thing. So it's, it's the Shanahan thing. Like that was the only thing. And we're always saying like, well, Shanahan was McVay before McVay was McVay and all this stuff. And you know, we're, that's how we feel. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's no, no surprise that Shanahan is at the top. Yeah, and Cliff Stinksbury's at the bottom. Cliff Stinksbury at the bottom, tough, got fired from his own alma mater, never had a winning record anywhere he went. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, although he's, I, I, I am interested. I, I, this year, I think Arizona's getting me in a vortex like Cleveland is, but Arizona, I think I can get out of. <laughs> like, I just yeah. don't know if I can get into that because people are really hyped. Yeah, it's like there's there's the teams that have been on the trend. You know, it's like it's like when when teams have been trending upward for long enough, even though they really haven't even broken much of a ceiling. The Browns have broken much more of a ceiling with you know making the playoffs, which they haven't made 
what was it, 80 years or something? So they've broken the ceiling a lot more than Arizona has, but it just feels like they're the team that is always just projected to keep going upwards and they might be at a plateau. At a plateau. They might be at the top of the mountain and they don't even know it yet. We don't know. It's crazy. Um, That was amazing. That was very amazing. Let us get into a little bit of other stuff, though, because we did have preseason week one. How much football did you actually watch this week? So I'm I'm not a crazy person like you, and I'm not able to dedicate four hours of a a Friday or Saturday night to watch a preseason football game without anybody on there. But shout out to the NFL for their YouTube channel where they have – Every single game highlights important stuff that happened, key moments and everything. So I sat down like Saturday and Sunday mornings when I was just hanging around. It was just fire. I just put the playlist on and just let them fire through and, and, nice. and watch all of those. So I, I pretty much, I think, watched most of those games. I did skip over ones where there was no impactful rookies, you know, really that I was paying attention to. Mostly the really were in the fantasy time of year. So I'm looking at any of those like breakout rookies on the offensive side or what I care about not really caring too much about what the defensive rookies are doing. So I paid, I keyed in on most of those games. Beautiful. I, you know, what's been great for me is the Patriots have been basically like standalone on Thursday nights and they're going to be all this. So that's like fantastic for me. Prime time, prime time, like Thursday night football, getting to see Mac Jones who looks by the way, miles and miles mm-hmm. ahead of cam newton mm-hmm. i know that he probably won't start week one but I, there is a chance there is a chance I'm, that was something i did take away from that we'll talk about that in a second got to watch a lot of the uh, cowboys cardinals i mentioned the rams chargers game i got to watch which was good um watch a little of the colts panthers on sunday afternoon the one o'clock start by the way i need like one week where like there's a bunch of games on Sunday because I, I, I want to be able to watch everybody on the same day. And like, uh, I think I heard, I don't remember where I heard this this week, but somebody said that we should have week three be like all the games on week three and have red zone on just to practice, you know? And I thought that was like a great idea. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Um, yeah. We got to get, you got to get into our routines. It's, you know, it's, it's like ritual. It's, it, it is, it is great. Like there's, so sporadic they're all over the place which again it's like I, I honestly just like barely knew who was on at what time because it was just so random it wasn't a normal football schedule I do like the 10 o'clock starts on like a Saturday night though because I can come home from work or something like that if I'm working late and be like oh like Cowboys Cardinals sure I'll sit down and watch that you know I want to see some guys I want to watch Eagles Steelers which I got to watch a little bit as well on Thursday um it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun Let's talk about the first round quarterbacks, though. Maddie, uh, just looking at the five Wilson, Lance, Lawrence, Fields, Jones, um, anybody stand out and impress you more than the others? Um, yeah, I mean, so I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave the guy for you that you could talk about next, but Justin Fields. I mean, it was Justin Fields. If, if we're talking about one of these quarterbacks and the stats that he put up and, and, and maybe the plays he put out there outside of, one quarterback who had literally one highlight and not that great of a game outside of who we'll get to in a second, uh, who was blowing up on Twitter. But Justin Fields, I thought, did play really well. He was very, he was shaky to start. Like, you know, watching just him go through it was maybe some, maybe some floated throws. He had 
the fumble, which was really a result of him just not knowing maybe when to go down, not take a hit, not try and spin out of a tackle. Like we're not going to break out of too many linebacker tackles in the NFL, Justin, like save your body and don't get hurt. Just ask Robert Griffin, the third. But I thought that his playmaking ability was just off the charts. You know, him being able to roll out of the pocket, he's got to be Matt Nagy's wet dream as far as like having a mobile quarterback who's getting out, you know, on the boots, on the rollouts. And he's so good at like getting out and just like resetting the pocket. Like he's not even having to do it on the run. He can get, he, he boots out at, at a play action, totally creates a new pocket where he's just all alone with like one blocker for him. And is then pointing his receivers, changing the lanes, getting opportunities, you know, that aren't normally there from just a traditional pocket passer. So I thought he looked really good. One passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown, no INTs, no sacks. Like I said, he did have the one fumble. Did any – I don't think any of the rookie quarterbacks threw an interception this weekend, as if mm. I recall. Um, so well, I believe lot, you're right. a lot of sacks, a lot of sacks. Fields got sacked a lot. Lawrence got pummeled. Uh, Trey Lance got pummeled. I mean, the offensive lines are just – like at, at this point are just not ready to go, especially when you're playing behind backup offensive lines. Uh except for the Broncos who have like the greatest offensive line PFF thing ever this preseason, like, cause they played all their starters against the Vikings and dominated. But um, no, I, I, I thought fields was good. I did think the shaky start was maybe a product of him getting used to it, but also a product of, I thought he looked better against the threes than he did against the twos and the ones to be honest. Yeah. So that's, that's my assessment of it. Like finding out where in the game he was doing what he was doing was more in the second half. So Fields was huge, lit up Twitter, all this stuff. To me, I thought there were two guys that were above the other three. Uh, one is Mac Jones. I'm going to say that. Outside of uh, – I'm sorry. When Mac came into the game, obviously Patriots Nation got crazy in, in the stands, and, man, he just looked clean. I mean, just when you're comparing him to uh, Cam, and, and just how Cam is checked down Cam, like checked down Charlie, passes just James White screens and like uh, drag routes and like not getting your head around and not put, like even those little things, like not putting the ball out on play action like you would every time, like just looks like the same damn Cam. One mm. love, baby. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's frustrating. And Mac just came out and I fell in love in two passes. It was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, he just really just looked like he commanded the pocket well, moved in the pocket well, understood pressure, didn't make mistakes, just had, what was he, 13 of 19 with two drops. I mean, yeah. he was fantastic. He was fantastic. Is he going to start week one? I don't know. I think if, if he's better at the end of the day, I don't think the Patriots know yet. I really don't. I think it is an open competition. I'm interested to see. But there was one guy I thought that did better than Mac, and he didn't have as many throws as Mac. But I thought Zach Wilson was fantastic. I mean, yes. I, I I just thought Zach Wilson, and you know, I was not high on Zach Wilson, but I saw this kid throw. He he's just got a rocket. I mean, does he not have just a freaking cannon throwing across the field? Balls coming out tight, spiral, just on a like man, he looks. He looks all the part of a GQ New York Jets just quarterback that 
people are going to swoon over. And everything in camp, everything that I've been hearing in camp about him has literally been that they, like he's had contract issues, that he's not picking up the offense very well. He came out and he's just like, screw that, man. I'm going to go sling it. Uh, Lewis, so far so good in New York. We like what we see. <laughs> we'll take it. Who knows? But That's we'll good. That's good. It's amazing. You like what you see from your guy. I like what I see from my guy. It's a perfect world. It's a perfect universe. Look at us. Look at us. Who would have thought? You know, Drew Locke had an amazing game for Denver, Matt. It was amazing. I was going to say, I know he's not a rookie, but man, we could th- we'll just throw him in these talks. But <laughs> I-, I do want to get back. I-, I-, I had the same thoughts about, uh, about Zach Wilson. Uh, I thought that he just looked decisive. Like he looked like he just, you know, maybe it was a little bit of like, there's sometimes I was watching those throws that he was making because it was just like I had the same thing. I was watching the highlights and it's just zipping it in there right to the receivers. And it might have been that it was really his his first read. And the first read was getting open because it felt a little bit maybe like he was staring it down. And but he was hitting the timing on it perfect every time, even if it was his first read. There's nothing nothing too wrong with that. So uh, I just thought he looked really decisive and really like knew where he was going with the ball and didn't look uh, didn't look rattled by not like not knowing the offense like you said coming out of camp. He looked. Like, he knew exactly what he was doing out there. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, him playing the Giants, um, uh, playing the ones. I mean, he started that game. He was playing against ones on the Giants. Now, the Giants went out and made two trades for corners today, so maybe they saw something and were like, hey, (laughs) we don't have anybody (laughs) to cover anybody, so we'll see how that works out. But, um, you know, I thought he was the best quarterback of any of them, Wilson. Uh, Yeah. Amazing job. Did you have any anything on Lance or Lawrence? So I was going to say, I think who looked exactly opposite was Trevor Lawrence looked like stiff. He yeah. looked like he was questioning where he was going. There's just, he didn't look comfortable back there to me. I don't know. It was just like, and I just have like written in here. It's just like little eyeball emojis. It's just like, <laughs> just because we've been talking about Trevor Lawrence as he was a sophomore in high school, like, you know, did we just let the hype train from four years just build up like granted he's you know again week week one of preseason nine throws I understand it but it's just that early storyline of looking around it's like he might be at the bottom of this list as far as the guys that came out week one but I I will say that outside of Trey Lance's ADR bomb underwhelming performance I I, I, again so I understand he hasn't played football in two years. I get like, you know, and he's still so raw, but it's like, he took four sacks. He had two very close like picks. And it's just, I just think that that one big play just changed everybody. You know, it's again, it was all over Twitter, the 80 yard bomb, you know, 60 air yards or whatever it was down the field. But I, I just thought he's still so raw and people are, I think mainly my point is that people are now clamoring to be like, he's got to start week one. I don't think he's anywhere close to starting week one. I think he's so raw and still needs so much work. I, I completely agree. I What I will say is that I thought he actually had a better day than most people gave him credit for. The four or five sacks that he got, look, again, playing behind that offensive line was just their backups. And, you know, that is typically going to happen a lot with some of the worst offensive lines that are maybe not as deep. The 49ers did not. I think they only had one starter playing the offensive line. So, you know, to me, it's a give and take with that. I thought he came out the way he came out. He looked very good. 
But as the game went on, he got a little jumpy and kind of like made some throws that he shouldn't have made. So, you know, I agree the 80 yard bomb and, and Trey area like that was just like mm. fantastic. I just want to yell Trey area all season long for him. I really do. But I do think Jimmy probably starts for the first few weeks, maybe even the whole year. Uh, I, I, I got a text from somebody saying, start Trey and trade Jimmy right now. I'm like, stop. <laughs> yeah. Like, stop. Relax. Like, it's game one preseason. Like, please, go take a freaking Zoloft or something. Like, please. It was, it was nutty. But uh, I, just going down the ranking list, I actually had Fields as the worst guy for me. Really? I, I, again, I did not – I was not impressed. I, I really wasn't. I – I thought he looked skittish in the whole beginning. And then against the threes, he had some impressive plays. But, you know, I think he's got a long way to go. Compared to Dalton, who went two, three and outs, like, yeah, he probably looked better. But, you know, uh, I digress. You know, I think Fields still has a lot to go. Lawrence, again, I have Lawrence fourth. Like you said, very similar to that. Had one good throw, but did look uncomfortable because he couldn't get any blocking. And then I had Lance Jones, Wilson, top of the list. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, again, I thought your boy, Mac Jones, again, it's like, it's not flashy. It's nothing crazy, but man, he was, I know when he was up there changing protections and, and, and oh, all God. things out, you were just gushing. Uh, when he <laughs> went up there and just confident barking out signals, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I love him. Like, you can have your Justin Fields and your runnings and like, your, your, you know, all your schematic things. Just give me a good play action fake. Snap that head around. <laughs> Kendrick Bourne on a slant route. Let's get a freaking first down. That's all I want. That's all don't, I want. Don't give me an athlete. Give me more guys that look like Tom Brady drafting the sixth round from the Absolutely. draft day photo. Give me more guys like that. In my I want that waddle. I want that waddle down the draft. Down, down, get my hat. Like, that's what I want. Love Mac Mac Jones and his mom jeans. <laughs> Can Mac Jones please just do like an all denim calendar? And that would make my life. I mean, it would just be <laughs> fantastic. Anything else you see um, from uh, preseason? Anything that impressed you? Anything that annoyed you? So the other two games that I took most attention to outside of, um, you know, I guess the, really the rookie quarterbacks, some other rookie running backs, uh, were the quarterback battles that like are the, the two quarterback battles I think that don't involve rookies. Uh, which again would be the Broncos with Drew Locke and, and Teddy Bridgewater. And then obviously the Saints with Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. We'll start with the Broncos. Again, both quarterbacks I thought looked pretty damn good that game. Again, it, but it's just a matter of like, which way does Vic want to go with this team? Is it, Are we going to have Drew Locke, who is very capable of pushing the ball downfield? He had, did have some good throws, but again, in a limited sample size, maybe he just wasn't given enough time to make those mistakes, which is like, the biggest thing for him going into this year is that we have to limit the mistakes with him. He's more than okay at throwing the ball down the field and making passes. Again, he would just only turn it on in the fourth quarter of some of these games last year. Um, and then Teddy Bridgewater was just seven and nine, running the offense, managing the game, nothing risky, like working the ball downfield. So it's just like, it's right there for those guys. We, like, again, I think the Broncos are, in the same spot that they were before this game. It's just like, man, we could go with either of these guys right now. So I, again, I think it's Drew Locke's job to lose as he is still the, you know, he was the starter last year and it's hard to go from, again, the young quarterback. Uh, it, it's harder to go from the guy that had the job and bring him back and in and out. And it just makes things confusing and fan talk. But I thought they both looked 
pretty good in that game. Uh, it, let me get your opinion on the Broncos before I move on to the next one. I don't want to get too far ahead. Real quick, I think they're in like a Miami Dolphins situation from last year. Like, mm. let's throw lock in, and if we need to bring in the vet, like, to in relief, like, that's what they're going to do. Like, that's that's where I feel like they're at at this position because Teddy is good. Like, Teddy, Teddy is going to manage your game well. It's a matter of if you want that. And I think Locke has the potential to blossom. Putting a 70 to one ticket on him for MVP last year was really stupid, but I may have been a year <laughs> early. I don't know, but I do think like you see it, you see it for him. He has the capability, you know, it's there. It just gotta be consistent week to week to week. And I don't know if that's going to be it. I think at the end of the day, I think you're right. I think it is Locke's job to lose. And I think they'll, end up giving him the start week one and see where things go. And then, uh, you know, the, the far more interesting one, the, the quarterback battle this is fascinating. This one. Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, and Ian Book. Uh, <laughs> <Don't forget. laughs> Ian Book had, did have the most work in that game and had the, he has the most passing yards as I'm looking at the stat sheet for it. Um, but I thought that Jameis looked far better than Taysom Hill in this game. I, I just, for me, I just thought, Taysom was all dink and dunk. It was just, you know, play action, faking him on a run, you know, different scheme. You know, Peyton is having a great time designing that offense. But Jameis Winston ran the two-minute drill in that game, and he looked great, I thought. He just worked the ball downfield super fast. They get a touchdown. And I just think, again, he's able to work the ball so much more downfield. You get to still use Taysom and all these gadgets plays that you want him in and that he's probably more effective at than being a pure passer and just watching Jason Hill throw the ball is just ugly too I just I really like he doesn't look good throwing the football in my opinion I, I thought that was so clear-cut in my mind I don't know what you think everything from camp it seems to indicate that Taysom Hill like kind of is starting to catch James Winston and then you saw that game and you're like really <laughs> not really sure you know like Again, I, I've been in the Hill camp like for most of the summer, and I know you've been in the Winston camp. Um, the only thing I will say in your defense is that you do need Hill to play in a different position because of the Michael Thomas situation. Um, doesn't mean you can't bring I, – I don't know. I, 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 that is something that still perplexes me. I, I am still trying to figure out exactly what Sean Payton wants to do, but I think you're right. I do think Winston leading two-minute drive – like. I, I saw good things from him. I saw good things from him. Were they amazing, either of them? I didn't think they were overtly amazing, but, you know, that's the whole argument for the whole summer, really, is, is can Hill become the pastor that they need him to become? And so far, the answer is not really, according to the game. Now, preseason versus what they do in practice, again, they're running more of the offense in practice than they are in the preseason games, so – you know, it's it's going to be a tough, tough call for Sean Payton. I don't envy him at all. No, no, not at all. And then the only other thing I had out of that game is Patrick Queen is just incredible. He is – I think he is two years away from being the best linebacker in the league. I, I think he is I – mean, he, he was flying around the field in that game. It was unbelievable. I love it. I love it. Patrick what Queen. About what about you? Any, any, like any other rookie standouts for you? What'd you think of uh, the, the running back, 
the uh, the Patriots running back Stevenson. I know he was another one catching a ton of fire on Twitter. Oh my God, that was such an overhyped thing. Right? I mean, I I know Ramondre Stevenson is like Ramondre Stevenson's probably not going to play this year. Just so everyone knows, like he's going to have the red shirt Damian Harris year. That's what it's going to be. And he had 91 yard touchdown run with 30 seconds left in the game. Like that was the only reason he had that one touchdown run right after the only reviewed play of the game, which were there could have been a thousand reviewed plays. And they reviewed the two point conversion that had that won the Patriots the game. And then right after that, he has that. So I, I love, like, he looks good. He had two touchdowns, but like, it, it was so overdone. It was just like, give me a break. The guy had 120 yards, 91 of them on one. 30 seconds left in the game, please. The guy that stood out for me, there are two guys that are standing out for me all preseason. They both played against each other this weekend. Rondell Moore, uh, I mentioned him earlier with the Cardinals. Kingsbury's going to use him all over the field. I mean, it's incredible. He had only four targets, three catches, but he put him in the backfield. He put him in motion all over the place as a gadget dude. I mean, He's going to be the next Ayuk, the next two, like with Tutu Atwell, same thing. They're going to both be this Tyreek Hill, like using those guys in reverse. I mean, the guy's only 5'7, he's like 185 pounds, runs like a devil. Like, I mean, he is, un- I was very impressed with him uh, on Friday night. And then, other side of the football, him playing against them. And we're going to talk about them in a second. Micah Parsons is just a monster. Like, <laughs> he's just, Micah Parsons is is the next Bobby Wagner, Luke Keekley, like whatever you want to say. Like he is, again, involved in another turnover uh, against the Cardinals. I mean, the guy just covers so much ground at his size, 6'3", 270. I mean, he's just, he's just a beast. He's just an absolute beast. Um, those things stood out for me. Um, just other cleanup notes uh, before we like kind of, we already touched on Tim Tebow a little bit. Jamal Adams getting a four-year, $70 million extension today. Makes him the highest paid safety in football. We'll see how that works out for Seattle. They're kind of capped by that. A big trade. How about Joe Schobert getting traded from Jacksonville to Pittsburgh? Uh, Big trade for Pittsburgh because Schobert's one of the better tacklers, uh, tackling linebackers, really, in the AFC. So, you know, that's going to fill a middle linebacker role they need to fill and compliment him with Devin Bush. So that was a, a big trade that happened kind of over the week that was talked about a little bit. I think that'll really help Pittsburgh's defense actually in their depth. Uh, and then uh, Bill Belichick getting an Emmy award in the all-time 100 show and getting some squats in makes me feel like that they're going to go 20 and 0 this year. It's going to be great. Yeah, that was, that was a fantastic, uh, I don't know if it was Twitter or Instagram, you posted that, just that, the look of determination in Bill's eyes to get those two 25-pound plates up was just, just, he's in there grinding. That scared the hell out of me. I was like, oh my God, this guy's just being an animal right now. Uh, really, really fired me up. Don't mess with Bill when he's on the squat rack. He will probably murder you. Uh, anything, by the way, when we're speaking of Micah Parsons, Hard Knocks episode one, real quick, takeaways from the first episode. Uh, there was a lot going on in this. Matt, my first takeaway, just before I let you go, is there is one man that can save the Dallas Cowboys from 26 years, a 26-year drought of the Super Bowl. Mike McCarthy believes in this one guy to finally break the Cowboys' long run of non-Super Bowl wins. 
and that's the international man of mystery, Austin Powers. <laughs> that's, that, it was absurd that that was that was actually on this thing, and that he used Mojo as as the as the motivation. It's time for a Mojo moment, Dan. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, got me. It got me going. I mean, just, yeah. When when after they play that, and obviously then. Hard Knocks, their fantastic, fantastic editing team. That this the song kicks in the you know Amazing. the Austin Powers theme song during the whole practice, which was just, which was just hilarious. And the only other standout part besides that, uh, they really kind of were hard, but they were they were they were pulling in on the uh, the Zeke and Dak bromance going on between them with Dak's birthday and all this other stuff. It just, I don't remember the lineman's name, but the guy who was sucking wind after they. They caked Dak in the face, and he's sucking wind, just going, "I want to try the cake. <laughs> I want to taste the cake." I I couldn't I could not believe that part of the show. That was so perfect. He was like the guy from the Longest Yard. Who was like, "I'm yeah. glad to go back. Now I don't have to stab you." Like it was like that's what it was. I want the cake. Like it, that was so so funny. Love that. Yeah. Part. That that and and Jerry Jones just wanting to Dak to throw his arm out because he's just like, are you sure we can't throw him? I don't know. I, mean, you, I know you've consulted the MLB, the MLB coaches or the Texas Rangers and everything like that. But are you sure we just can't have Dak do some light throwing? Like maybe like forty attempts. I don't know, like a regular game. Are we sure? Like it's like Jerry, come on, man. Like we're trying to save the franchise. The guy who just paid forty million dollars a year. Jerry, Jerry, just got to put some oil on that. Just put some, some of my oil money on that. We'll be fine. Just wrap it up and be all good. Just tape some tape some cash packs around him. He'll be all set. Don't worry it, about that. It, that, that. That for me is the perfect, like, first look at why being the Cowboys head coach or any coach on the Cowboys oh. is a near impossible job because you got the man in the high tower who's going to call you down at any moment and say that he wants it this way. And you pretty much, you got to tell him no somehow. Did you did you feel weird about McCarthy and Prescott's relationship? Like I felt like Dak was very pissed all the time, and McCarthy was trying to bust his balls on the sideline, and you know, like I don't know, like to me, like getting an inside look at that, it makes me kind, it kind of made me cringe, just kind of knowing, like you know, I don't know how locker rooms work, but like you know, I've been in a high school locker room, let's put it that way, and you know, with quarterbacks and coaches, like you know. And, and seeing all the film that we've seen over the years, I just, I got a weird vibe from their relationship. I don't know. Yeah. I, it's definitely stemming from Dak. Just want, again, Dak wants to play probably as much as Jerry Jones wants Dak to play. So, you know, he, he just, I think was frustrated from sitting out and he, he said it multiple times, you know, like, you know, F this, I sat it all last year and it's like, but you're not healthy yet. So I think it's just, you know, I think it was more managing his, his injury and again, them wanting him healthy for the regular season. And then Dak's frustration of just just wanting to play ball, man. Guy just wants to play ball. Yeah, he does. The interesting like analytics numbers that they had for like his productivity, and then having had to rein him back like the next day. It was just it was just interesting, kind of how how public kind of the Cowboys analytics was, you know, a little bit. The only other part that I that I just want to mention really quick was John Fossil talking about him getting vasectomies, and I just <laughs> yes. talking about snip snap snip snap from the office. I said that I wanted to have kids, and you said that you wanted me to have a vasectomy. What did I do? And then, oh, when you said that you might want to have kids, and I wasn't so sure, who had the vasectomy reversed? And then when you said you definitely didn't want to have kids, who had it reversed back? Snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. I did. Okay. 
You've no idea the physical toll the three vasectomies have on a person. It was just right. like, who got a reverse back and all this stuff. Like he's talking about how he got his vasectomy and then got his vasectomy reversed. And it was just like, what is going on in these meetings? Yeah, it was, it was a full-blown office moment. It was just like, okay, all right, Michael Scott, just get back to get back to telling us how to run, how to run this zone scheme, please. Please, please. It was so, so wild. But a really good episode of Hard Knocks. Uh, Zeke doesn't know how to wrap presents, you know. Micah Parsons continues to be a monster. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. We did get a little bit of Dan Quinn in there as, that we were looking for. So uh, these guys are total hardos, which is which is very fun. Uh, when you got Fossil and McCarthy and Dan Quinn all in the same kind of uh, coaching staff, so it's going to be a lot of fun watching the Cowboys this year. Yeah, and we do realize for any listener that we do realize that we might be a week behind. Our recording schedule does happen to be the night that it airs, so we are a week in the past. But you know, that is what it is. We'll try maybe address that going forward. Can't can't make all miracles happen, folks. You'll get over it when football season starts. Don't worry about it. Uh, Maddie, I said anything else before we say goodbye? That's it. I'm excited for. Like I said I'm excited for game week two of the preseason. Really, game two for the Broncos to see if. Uh, either of those quarterbacks start to, to really separate themselves. I just think it, it's really, I think, the closest QB competition going right down the league. I think that, again, nobody knows which way they're going here. Absolutely. It's going it, that, That's going to go down to the wire, go down to week one, that, that one, because there's two really good pro quarterbacks. Patriots, Eagles practices this week, Thursday night with the game. Going to be a lot of fun. Um, Monday night, by the way, Monday night football on ESPN, Jags, Saints, so you'll see quarterback battle with New Orleans on Monday Night Football, national game, ESPN, and then Trevor Lawrence. You get to see him too. Plenty of games. Uh, getting to see the rookie quarterbacks as well should be a lot of fun. We thank you for listening, everybody. You can follow us on Twitter at The Sunday Card. Follow us on Instagram at The Sunday Card, on Facebook as well. And, of course, you can listen to us on Spotify, on Apple Pod, on Google Pod. Give us a like. Give us a rating. Give us a subscription. And you can even write a review for about our show and let us know what the heck we're doing wrong and what the heck you like about the show. Um, for Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silverth, and for our esteemed producer, Lemon Pepper, Lou Paracone, I'm Dan Zampano. We thank you for listening to the Sunday Card.